Wow, what a difference. The Talkbuster Podcast. Hi, I'm Chris Chipman. You may remember me from such podcasts as the Chipman Brothers Tangent and Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. I'm here to bring you back to the late 90s, early 2000s, a time of amrays and clamshells, a time of late fees and VHS tapes being replaced by DVDs, a time of stale gumballs and overpriced candy. Yes, that's right. I am talking about the time of blockbuster video, the Walmart of the video rental industry, the mom and pop video store killer, the corporate big choice video store that everybody loved to hate. Blockbuster is mostly gone now. Kids today will never know the crazy Friday and Saturday nights with lines wrapped around the store to rent the next big movie. No more will regulars who are in the know arrive at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays to snatch up the new rentals that week before the weekend rush. Most of all, no longer will young movie geeks like myself have the memories I, and many others like me, made while working there. You see, under all of the corporate evil and bad practices, Blockbuster was a home, a comfort, a place where I made lifelong friends and even met my wife. It is because of these memories that I, and I'm sure many of you, have that the Talkbuster podcast was created, a place for me and others to share our memories of what once was, of the before time, of the long, long ago. I'm looking forward to see where this goes, how it evolves. Join me, won't you? Hey, everybody. This is Chris Chipman from the Talkbuster podcast here to introduce episode 13. The reason I'm doing an introduction here um, is because I just kind of got right into it with my guest, and I want to give a little bit of background on where he's coming from um, in case you guys haven't heard of this place. So my guest is Matt Lynch from Scarecrow Video in Seattle, Washington. Um, the cool thing about Scarecrow Video is that um, just like the folks out at the Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon, which is the last on the planet, Scarecrow Video is a video rental establishment that still exists. A little bit different um, than what I normally do on this show. They're um, located at 5030 Roosevelt Way, Northeast in Seattle, Washington, 98105. And I'm just going to give you some background. So, from its passionate founder, George Latsios, and former owners, Carl Totsevin and Mickey McDonough, to its new status as a nonprofit archive, Scarecrow has existed with one vision, to bring people and film together. It began with a few hundred tapes in the back of a record store, and for more than 28 years, its devoted caretakers have gradually accumulated the largest independently owned video and physical media library in the country. Currently boasting over 130,000 titles, we have also been a hub of the local film scene, providing a knowledgeable and passionate staff to offer all those who visit Scarecrow a unique experience. This passion for film has rippled out into the greater Puget Sound community as Scarecrow devotedly supports local film organizations, promotes film screenings, and brings filmmakers from all walks of life into town. The internet, video on demand, and high definition formats have changed the landscape, offering greater access to all forms of entertainment. Scarecrow's focus is to complement those changes in ways only they can, by providing access to not only what is available from mainstream sources, but to rare out of print and foreign and independent films, many of which are available nowhere else. As Scarecrow moves forward into its next chapter, they are developing new and innovative ways to engage with the community and continue to be a vital part of Seattle. And now, on to episode 13 of the Talkbuster podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Talkbuster podcast, um, the only podcast where we talk about Blockbuster. Well, at least the only podcast where I talk about Blockbuster. Um, and uh, you know, time in rental and retail matter. Uh, 
Apple. It's kind of been expanding. Um, as always, I'm Chris Chipman at the Chippa. Um, this is one of four podcasts I do. Um, the Chipman Brothers Tangent with my brother Movie Bob shooting the shit. Um, the Creating Geeks and then the Talkbuster podcast. Um, you can find all my stuff on uh, patreon.com slash the Chippa. And the more you contribute to that, the uh, more I can do more cool stuff like this. I'm uh, joined by a very exciting guest tonight. Um, you know, often this show has been about talking about, as I call it, the before time, the long, long ago times when uh, me and my friends and other people in the world, you know, probably like 1998 to about 2008, 2009, where uh, the majority of people working in retail that were geeky um, liked to work at blockbusters or video stores in general. And, uh, you know, lately I've, I've hooked up with the folks out at the Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon, who are the only Blockbuster left in the world. And, you know, it's cool to talk to somebody that's still doing it. And tonight um, I have, after about a month and a half of trying to connect and get this going, um, Matt Lynch, who works for, uh, among other things, who works for Scarecrow Video in Seattle, Washington. So, uh, Matt, introduce yourself. Hi, my name's Matt. I work for Seattle, uh, Seattle, Video, Seattle, Washington Scarecrow Video. <laughs> and uh, also, you're a, you a critic out there? Did I read that? Uh, yeah, I, I belong to the Seattle Film Critics Society. I, I am an amateur pro-am, I guess you could say, critic. Yeah, you could call me a critic. Very cool. That's awesome. What's um? How how many strong is uh is that? And my brother's uh in the Boston kind of version of that, oh. I guess. Bofka. Oh man, <laughs> a... I I wish I knew. It, it's I would say between sixty and seventy five people right now. It's only a couple three years old. Uh, we're we're slowly building more of a membership base. That's awesome. And um, if people wanted to see, like, does uh, do you guys have a site? that we you could send people to or uh i would just go and, and google sfcs uh awesome. seattle film critics society i i you know what we 100 do have a website but i'm blanking <laughs> on words right now it, it's all right i'll put we'll, we'll figure it out after i'll throw it in the uh in the description yeah. i figured i'd just you know help you out with that because that that fascinates me how different that whole um that whole business has shifted too Oh, yeah. Uh, we actually have. Okay. So I just looked it up on my phone. It's seattlefilmcritics.com. Very easy. Oh, man. Wow. It couldn't be easier. Yeah. Not like, uh, you know, try to like sneak people in there by saying more than grungemusic.org <laughs> or something like yeah, that. Exactly. Oh, fantastic. So, um, so how, how'd you fall into that? Uh, to the, to the Seattle Film Critics Society. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, many, many years ago, I, I, I've always had aspirations to write about movies and to talk about movies. Uh, and uh, uh, many years ago, I, I read a review of, I think it was, I think it was Lady in the Water. Mm. It, it was a Shyamalan movie, I'm pretty sure, uh, by, by uh, Jeremy Smith, who goes by Mr. Beaks. Yeah, I love and Mr. Beaks. Mr. Beaks, this is right when he started uh, Collider. He helped found Collider.com. Yes, he did. And I wrote him a fan letter. I basically wrote him a letter to say, like, I thought this review was great. I think you're great. And if you ever want to, like, give somebody a chance to write something, call me. Get in touch with me. And he did. He did right away. He wrote me right back and said, I got an idea for you. Can you write this? And he wanted me to write a, a thing about sort of obscure Halloween movies. It was right around Halloween. So he wanted to, me to write some capsules some, for some weird uh, horror films. And I started writing like TV reviews for Collider and occasional home video reviews for Collider. And, 
and and that that petered out for for one reason or another. I didn't I didn't really stick with it, but eventually, uh, another guy, a guy named Sam Sam McLean, who writes who who started a site called In Review Online, mm-hmm. uh, contacted me on Twitter and asked me if I wanted to write reviews for him. And that was oh my god! When did Edge of Darkness come out? That Mel Gibson remake. When did that come out? Oh man, that was that was the first review I wrote. Two thousand eleven. That was the first review I wrote for him, I think. They actually, they filmed that right here in Lynn. Um, yeah. Yeah, right, right down the street from my house. They, uh, so it was either that or Book of Eli that was the first review I wrote for him. And uh, uh, eventually, I, I, I mean, I just did that for fun. And then eventually I, I wormed away my way into access. I wormed my way into press screenings. Yes. And so uh, that was the goal, really. I, I do it for fun and I do it for access. No, exactly. I mean, I, uh, you know, my, my brother, um, uh, do you, you know, movie Bob, right? Or at least from, from I know, I know of him. I yeah. know and he, he knows of you too. Cause I was like, oh man, I got, I got hooked up with this guy, Matt from uh scarecrow video. He's like, oh, those guys are awesome. You have to have them on their show. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> um, but, uh, what was I going to say? Um, you know, he, for as long as he's been doing his gig, he'll, you know, get a, you know, a, a pass every once in a while to bring somebody with him. So yeah. that's always been fun. It's like, you know, I can go from work and go, oh, yeah, I get to go, you know, to the um, Boston area, you know, premiere of Iron Man 2. What right. a letdown that was. No, that was, I, I, actually, I actually enjoy that movie, but it's not that great. Um, but um, at an undisclosed time this week, I'm going to see Endgame with him. So that'll be really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing that tomorrow morning. And, yes. Uh, and I and I, I told my I told my boss I'm like look I'm taking the day off tomorrow I got to go see Endgame because it's like 10:30 in the morning I can't come to work and they're like oh cool everybody's excited it's nice yeah. it's, it, it's it, crazy it, to get that that's a that's a live that's a good excuse to get off work <laughs> we may we may or may not be seeing it at the same time yeah I'm pretty excited that'll be fun that'll be a good time <laughs> no it'll be a good time exactly so oh no so that's really cool I I I like to get to know people you know when I do this this is kind of a an off the cuff kind of thing. And I like it that way. So, um, I don't know if you, have you done a lot of podcasts before? A few here and there. And I, I, I'm on a couple semi-regularly too. So oh, cool. What, which, which ones? Well, uh, some friends of mine started one called, <coughs> excuse me, called the suspense is killing us. Oh, that's, that's a great name. Is which it, um, is, hor- is it horror themed? It's mostly like thrillers from the eighties oh, and nineties. Awesome. It's, it's the idea is that we talk about movies that, uh, that have, that have sort of disappeared from the landscape. You don't see a lot of like serial killer movies that come out anymore because TV has kind of replaced those. Right. You know? Right. Uh, so we talk about a lot of thrillers from the eighties and nineties and stuff. And uh, we've got to, actually, there's going to be an episode coming out tomorrow morning. This is a Monday night. It'll come out Tuesday morning. It'll be about, uh, what are we covering on this one? Oh, it's a uh, single white female, the oh, hand wow. that rocks the cradle. <laughs> And uh, and one the, other one that I can't the remember. The hand that rocks the cradle. Holy shit! Great movie. Oh, it was, and I got. I remember seeing that way too young. Yeah, because that's an intense. It's an intense one. It's good. It's really good. I loved it. Yeah, that that I, I dig the hell out of that movie. And you're right. That's it. It's shot around here. Actually, uh, it's shot right around here in Seattle. And uh, in fact, uh, a good friend of mine who I used to work with at Scarecrow, when he was a little boy, he's in it. Oh, super cool. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So the suspense is killing us. I'm going to have to uh, 
Yeah, look it up on find that one. I, I've I've become addicted to this, uh, <laughs> and so I like to find as many as I can to you know find people to collaborate with. As it really comes down to, you know, yeah, the best absolutely. the best thing we can do is build each other up. So, um, yeah, let let's get into Scarecrow. So, so I did some reading up on it, and I'm gonna do a preempt. You know, I'll record myself kind of giving an intro just about what it is before this. But um, t- tell me how you came about Scarecrow, how you started there, um, and give maybe give a little background. To, um, to what it means to the area, you know what I mean, since it's a, a different thing. <laughs> well, well, I started at Scarecrow uh, almost by accident. Uh, okay. I, I was living in Philadelphia. I was working at a Borders. And, uh, ah, Borders, rest in yeah. peace. I was working at a bookstore. I worked in bookstores and video stores my whole life. I was working at a Borders, and uh, I was I was living with a girlfriend, and she had a she had a sister who lived here in Seattle, uh, and I was looking at some magazine. I can't remember what magazine it was, and they had a little blurb about the this giant video store in Seattle that had at the time like sixty five thousand titles or something like that, and there was a picture, and it was clearly that there, it was clear that there was a two story building. And I just thought, wow, what a what a what a cool place! I got to check that out sometime. My girlfriend's sister lived out here in Seattle at the time. Uh, we came we came to visit, and I went and saw Scarecrow. I fell in love with it, and I fell in love with Seattle too on that trip. And I remember thinking, you know what? I gotta I gotta move here someday. This is a great city. I love it out here. I think I want to come live here. And a couple of years later, I did. Uh, we moved out here. I needed a job. I put in a resume at Scarecrow, like almost as a goof. Like, there's no way I'm going to get hired here, but I might as well give it a shot. I had been working at a prominent video store chain in Philadelphia called TLA, which okay. may or may not still be extant. Yeah, uh, those those from Philadelphia, let me know. <laughs> um, I've, yeah, I've not heard I, of that I, one. I know that the TLA video in Chestnut Hill that I worked doesn't exist anymore, uh, but there might be other other places still open. I highly doubt it, but there might be. Uh, anyway, I, I I applied for a job at Scarecrow Video. They hired me a couple weeks later, which is crazy because the turnover there is super, super low. I right. Just that, love- it, seems, it seems like a lifer kind of a place. It's kind <laughs> you of, know? It, it has those aspects for sure. Uh, and also, I mean, I, I, I just I just lucked into it. I, I had the right skill set at the right time that they needed some people, and I got lucky. And I'm still here. Uh, it's uh, That was 2003. It's 2019. Wow. So I'm working on my 16th year at Scarecrow. So, uh, you, yeah. so you were there at the height of I was, uh, I was everybody there, was a video store. Yeah. I was there when we were making a lot of money, and it was insanely slammed every day. Yes. Wow. So, um, you know, obviously I'll have said it in the intro, but so you said in 2003, you were at about 65,000 titles strong. Correct. And in 2003, were any of, was any of that VHS? Oh, yeah. Because we in 2003, kept... they were still making new VHS. Yes, they, they were. I remember when the last one. History of violence. When, yes. And Walmart had the ads of. Yep. With the last VHS and Walmart was really the only place holding on to it because they said their customer base, of course, you know, in the lesser, you know, parts technology wise of the country, you know, it's the people still buying VHS tapes. So, of course, Um, history of violence. Wow. We we still have about 15,000 individual 
VHS. Wow. And so now the, the, the website claim and everything I've read says 130,000 plus strong. It's about 133. Yeah. 133,000 wow. titles. And that's, that's all, um, what laser disc DVD VHS and Blu-ray. Is that the idea? It's predominantly DVD, but also Blu-ray laser disc VHS, but predominantly DVD. I would say the vast majority is DVD. So, um, would you say, because because now it's it's a non-profit like National Archive, right? That's mm-hmm. the that's the right. official title for it. Kind of like the non a non-profit movie theater kind of deal. We have a lot of those around here. Um, Correct. Yeah. So, did you acquire like start accumulating your um, your movies as the stores and stuff started closing down where their places are like, Oh my God, have our stock. You guys are doing the real thing. Take this. Or did you have nope. to scramble for it? Nope. Neither. Uh, the, the collection has always been the priority of the place, uh, that, you know, it started, it was about 65,000 titles when I started in 2003 and it's almost double. It's a little more than double that now. And that is, that is the simple accumulation of titles over the years. That's amazing. Uh, we we're still adding titles. The collection is not static. A lot of people think that it is. Uh, we're adding between three and six thousand movies a year. Wow. Titles a year. Uh, we're still we're still accumulating new material. We're still getting new releases every week. Uh, you know, we'll get the next. We'll get Captain Marvel when it comes out on VHS or, or sorry on on DVD and Blu-ray. We'll get that. You know, we'll we're always getting new stuff. Uh, the collection you know, is if- not static. We're still in, we're. We're a nonprofit. We're an archive, but we're still an operating video store where you can get a new release. Oh, it's it's awesome, and the the pictures of it. Um, I doubt the pictures even do justice. So, paint paint a picture for the people listening to this, and like when you walk into Scarecrow Video, what's it what's it look like? <laughs> I mean, it, it looks like the uh, the 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 Parthenon. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's actually what I was getting from the pictures. <laughs> it's all, it's like there are these big columns that hold up a second floor and there's two stories and there's a big open, wide open space in the center of the building. And so the second floor is like a U shape that goes around a, a sort of a, like a balcony area up top. And that's where all the sort of smaller sections go. And then downstairs is a big open space area with the counter and the big main director and foreign sections. It's enormous. It's a gigantic store. Um, I like to tell people that the best advertisement for Scarecrow Video is walking in the door and seeing what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a fun, there's kind of a cute, a cute story from a couple of years ago where uh, a, a man and his, his young daughter, his little girl came in and, uh, and she saw the place and she just shouted, Daddy, it's a movie castle. <laughs> Pretty adorable. Like a hard story not to tell. It's a movie castle. Yeah. You know, and she's she's not wrong. No, I mean, it, it's I uh, it, it amazes me. I've never heard of you guys before. I mean, as soon as as soon as the connection was made, I went on the site. I donated some money. I bought a shirt. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is awesome. Oh, thank you. That's great. <laughs> no, thank no, it's it, dude. I love it. I wear it to work a couple times a week. I, I think it's great, um, just to get the name out there, you know. And I, I mean, this is this is my shtick, right? I, uh, I can't <laughs> stop talking about it, and you're still doing it. Um, well, we are officially the largest video store on earth. Yeah, we have more um, titles than anyone else in the planet. We have cool. titles that the Library of Congress doesn't have, which is insane. Right. If, um, 
you know, and it's cool. You know, you, you guys are out on the West Coast. You've got the big video store, and us up in Laconia, New Hampshire, here have the uh, arcade museum at um, Fun Spot. That's right. You know, that's right. Have you ever <laughs> seen King? Have you ever seen King of Kong? Uh, yes, I have. Yes. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I almost got to meet um, Eric Vesp when um he. Oh, cool. He, Quint when he was doing a screening of that in Boston. But um, I met him at Fantastic Fest a few years ago. Yeah, really kind of nice like with your thing with Mr. Beeks, him and I shoot stuff back and forth from time to time. He's been to Salem. We, you know, gave him some uh, pointers of what to do around Halloween. Never actually met up, but I've won contests he's done. And th- that, that group of guys, it, you know, it's it's good that they're all still doing great because, yeah. uh, you know. The the internet's an awful place, and so <laughs> <laughs> yes it is. Yes, but it is. but 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 I still like doing this on there. So uh, oh man, that's cool. Uh, quickly back, I was thinking when you said Captain Marvel, I think it would be a missed opportunity if they didn't um, release that, even if just as a collector's edition on VHS. <laughs> that would be really cool, especially it? if it came in like a blockbuster case. That would be very cool, right? Well, I mean, you know, I hope somebody is listening to this, and if they do it, that you get paid. Well, and, you know, there's people from Blockbuster that are listening to this, so. <laughs> Hell, I keep having them on. They seem to like me. I think that would be a good idea. I would buy that. Oh, I would, too. And I don't, I mean, I have something available that will play it, I'm sure, in my house. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but hey, oh, so, so that's really cool. So um, I, I noticed from, you know, reading down the site before getting into the, the cool things I wrote down here that, that you guys do that I think is really cool. You're a uh, nonprofit, so you do a lot of, you know, things for the community, things for the store. Um, you do a lot of events. I've seen g- go into some of those. Uh, you know, I've we seen try- like, you do like you do like children movie nights and stuff like that. Like we have like a children's hour uh, yep. on Thursday mornings about 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 half the year. We go through sort of seasons. So like the last uh, season of children's hour just ended. There will be a new one in the summertime. Uh, so we have like, you know, the, the the parents bring their little kids in in the morning. They do activities. They watch some uh, some movies, some quick videos, things like that. We have movie clubs in our screening room almost every night of the week. Um, and those are free and open to the public. So, you know, uh, people showing classic movies, people showing old horror films, people showing sci-fi movies. And they have their little movie clubs, but they're open to the public, too. Uh, we, now, that, we, that would be right up my alley if I lived around there. <laughs> it's very cool. I, I, you know, our screening room is, is not the, the, the classiest or most comfortable, but it is, you know, it'll get the job done. Uh, we, we try to have events as, as frequently as we can. We have speakers coming in from a, from a group called Humanities Washington, which is like a state sponsored, uh, group that, that puts together lecture series about art and culture and the Northwest and so we'll try to host screen, uh, uh, lectures and, and talks from people that are associated with that program. We've recently teamed with like a local French society to show French films. We do all kinds of stuff. We have a, a series called the Silver Screeners Program, which is we take our films to uh, local senior centers and show them to people who can't necessarily come to us to rent or to see films. So we take them out into the community. Wow. There's all kinds of stuff that we try to do. Uh, we're much more focused as an institution on sort of taking the collection out of the community as much as we can and, and making it accessible to as many people as possible. The engine, the revenue engine of the store is still rentals and sales and also because we're a nonprofit 
charitable donations, fundraising. Right, which you can go to scarecrowvideo.com and do. It's like right up on the main it's screen actually, of the site. It's actually blog.scarecrow.com. Oh, thank you. Sorry. Yes, scarecrowvideo.com <laughs> will not take you to us. Sorry, guys. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> but, but yeah, blog.scarecrow.com. Go there. Uh, uh, we're fundraising almost constantly. And even if we're not doing a campaign, you can always donate. If you want to become a member and you're local, you can get all kinds of cool benefits. It's, uh, it's a good thing to do. So, um, when did the, uh, when did the transition out of, um, being a, I won't call it legitimate video store cause you still like are a poor, but, pro, like a poor, yeah. Poor when, to, when, to, yeah, yeah. When, when did that shift go down? Well, in, um, in, uh, 2013, 2014, the, the current owners at that time basically decided that they wanted out. Um, and they had been for a few years at that point, right, basically writing a check to keep us open every year. Right. Uh, for obvious reasons. Um, and they, and they didn't want to do that anymore. And I can't blame them. They, they supported that place through thick and thin. They were great owners. Um, and a few of, uh, a few of us not spearheaded by me, but I was part of this initial coalition uh, decided that we were going to try to keep the place open. And one thing the owners said specifically at that time was that they were really interested in the store becoming a nonprofit because of the sort of opportunities that that presented and that they would entertain literally any offer that included that idea. Oh, cool. So we got together and formed a nonprofit group with the help of a local theater called the Grand Illusion, which is a small jewel box theater just located just a couple blocks away from Scarecrow. It's a great name for a theater, too. It's a great name, yeah. And they're a, they're a nonprofit, entirely volunteer-run. So they had an umbrella organization that could offer us what at the time was called a, a sort of a, sort of a, wow, what was it called? It's been so long since I had to do this talk. <laughs> Uh, they basically uh, offered us a fiscal sponsorship, is what it's called. Okay. So we were able to act as a nonprofit under the aegis of a real nonprofit, which allowed us to set up the organization, apply for the paperwork, and become an actual 501c3 nonprofit. It gave us sort of some breathing room. And we started a Kickstarter. We raised about $100,000. Uh, oh, shit. We raised. We raised the vast majority of that in about three or four days. And uh, basically that was to raise the operating funds to take over the business. Of course. Um, and the the previous owners, Carl Tossovan and his wife, Mickey, who, again, are wonderful people and continue to support us to this day, even though they are no longer uh, responsible for the operation of the of the business. Uh they generously donated the entire collection to the nonprofit after it had been established. Oh my God. So basically it was, it's been a, it's always been a labor of love. It's always been something that has been maintained by the people that owned and operated it simply because we believed in it. That's awesome. I mean, here, here to that. Like I, I have, I have a drink right here and I'm going to cheers to that. <laughs> That's I, awesome. I, I have two drinks. So oh, I'm me, to you me too. I have an alcoholic one and a soda one. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Cheers to you, dude. So, um, oh, that's an incredible story. Um, 
That was in uh, August of 2014. It's funny how, you know, you you go back through history and you can find all the best things. Like you said, the the whole point of the place is to bring the stuff out into the community, not keep it behind closed doors and go, no, mine, mine, mine. You can't have this. It's, you know, these these are things that are meant to be shared. That's the reason to keep them in circulation, Um, not to... That's a big part of our mission. I mean, you know, if Scarecrow were to go away, uh, there are a great many titles. I mean, the whole collection itself would be probably most likely broken up, sold off to individuals, uh, individual collectors, or let's say maybe it's subsumed by an organization like the Seattle International Film Festival, SIF, or University of Washington, taken away made uh, you know put in a basement somewhere put in an archive where you got to be a member you got to right. be a student you got to you got to pay a bunch of money whatever the whole point of the scarecrow project the sv archive the scarecrow as an entity is to keep this vast incredibly broad one of a kind collection accessible to the public you can walk in off the street and rent any movie you want to exactly and that that's kind of the whole point, right? I mean, something that used to be a tiny little hole in the wall thing that became a big corporate thing that is now back in the hands of the public. It's like, no, this yeah. is yours. The, these, this is your history. I mean, and the craziest right. thing is it's only about 100, 120 years worth of history. Right. You know, right? and we never we never became like a big corporate thing. We were always owned no, by I'm, like I'm just talking about owners, but still, yeah, the rental industry in the general, rental industry yeah. completely like. We we were under threat by Blockbuster and Hollywood. The chains yeah, tried, can imagine. tried to kill us, and they couldn't kill us. We're still kicking. You know, even in the age of streaming, we still exist. We still provide a valuable service. We provide a valuable space, and we provide a valuable experience. And I think I think you you touched on it right there. It's the space. It's the there's something about being in the same building as another person. Yeah. That I'm not saying, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a pretty social guy, but it's hard, right? You could, there's the anxiety of, you know, human contact is, is a hard thing for some people. I get it. But even then, you know, video rental, video game buying, comic book buying, there's something about the camaraderie of walking in and getting that wink and nod across like, Oh yeah, you're into this too. Yeah. We're Um, both, we're both like peeling through the same uh, cardboard box of right. comics. And I yeah. can't like, I almost kind of want to go. And again, I don't want to do this, you know, um, because it'll get rid of, you know, the physical thing, but you know, almost like Netflix. Cool. Great. I'm, I'm glad they exist. I kind of wish blockbuster had bought them and maybe the video <laughs> industry would still be around. Cause I was working there when they were going to, yeah. and they said, this will never, this will never take off. You know, <laughs> oh, and crap. I remember um, when they said this will never take off. And I was like, you guys just signed your death warrant right there. Yeah, they this did. is 100% going to take off. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, what was I going to say? Um, so, you know, there's something about scrolling through Netflix that, yeah, all the titles are there. But it it's not the same as picking up a cover box and, you know, especially the older ones. I mean, yeah, the ones now, I mean, you can get caught by a really beautiful you know piece of cover art especially some like the ones they redo were like the mondo poster guys do some cool cover boxes and stuff but there's something about walking through you know like the 80s suspense and horror section and just seeing how creative they got 
to like kind of pull you in and pick it up and you want to read the back and it's like, you know, I just can't do that. So yeah. I'm I'm glad or I'm glad Netflix hasn't figured out, you know, that uh maybe making like a VR thing, you know, where someone walks <laughs> through. Please don't do that, Netflix. It's a bad idea, I swear. <clears throat> but um, you know, well, something you know, I about think the... there's something to be said for the idea that uh that a physical space mm. Can present to you options that a algorithm can't present to you. Exactly. You know, exactly. like an algorithm is going to extrapolate from what you have watched, maybe what your friends watched, and put the same 25, 30, 40, maybe even 100 titles in front of you. It turns into an echo chamber. But at Scarecrow, you can walk in, or any video store, there are plenty of video stores still out there thriving. Yeah, I think uh, there's at least one in every state I saw. There are um, still a lot. Uh, if you go to uh, if you go to a website called the Blacklist, and there's a woman named Kate Hagen. Yep, she's who, the one that shared it. I was just reading her stuff. She's amazing. She's amazing. She interviewed me last summer for oh, awesome. a thing about Scarecrow. She's amazing. That woman is doing God's good work. Uh, she's just like telling people about video stores all over the world, all over the country, and they're still thriving. Look at a place like Beyond Video in Baltimore, right. which is entirely volunteer run. Their I've collection been there. is entirely. You've been there, yeah, man. I would love to go there. It's so their, cool. Their collection is entirely crowdsourced. Uh, uh, the guy, one of the people who helped found it, Eric Allen Hatch, is like a uh, he was for the the Baltimore Film Festival. That guy's amazing. All of these people that are coming together and just like trying to build spaces for people to find something that they can't find anywhere else. And there are plenty of great streaming options. Like it's not about how streaming is bad for you or streaming no, is inadequate. No. And it, it's it gets, just that it gets stuff to people that can't get it. That but can't get it. There are plenty of reasons why this is the only way that people can access films. And that's great. Criterion Channel, Shudder, whatever. Netflix is great. All of that stuff is great. Amazon Prime, awesome. If that's how you access your films, do it. But if you have the chance to go to a real video store, you can't beat that experience. You just can't. No, I agree. I, just like I still think you you can't beat the video store experience and you can't beat the movie theater experience. Correct. The, I agree. They, they kind of tie together to me. And again, it's it's something. It's a communal experience. And there's certain things that need to be kind of seen on an old crappy TV on a VHS right. tape. Yeah. Just like there's some things that need to be seen in a theater. Um, I went to a, a film festival and saw an old print of The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. Nice, nice. And it's just, it's a movie you don't get a chance to see in that format. And it like it's like it's it was like watching it for the first time. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I, I was, I think, negative one when that movie came out. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, it's crazy. So um, I just love the idea of this. Um, I, I'm definitely going to look you guys up if I come out there. And I, you just reminded me, I need to look up Kate and see if she uh, she ever wants to collaborate on something because she's fantastic. I've been following her for a while. Yeah, she that, you know, she's doing God's good work. She's, she's she really, really is. <laughs> she's really doing an amazing job of highlighting what is special about the video store experience and what we're abandoning by giving that up. Right. And I mean, I, I love that, you know, finding you finding the people at blockbuster hearing about her, that it, it, it was being given up in like 2010, 2011. Right. That was, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden people are talking about it a lot more. Yeah. 
and you know you get that that blockbuster shot in in uh in captain marvel and i remember the reaction i I mean i work with a lot of people that you know were born in the late 90s you know now and you know uh, oh boy at 35 i'm just like oh crap (laughs) Has this happened now? And and I sit there and and they say, oh, yeah, you know, I've never actually been to one of those. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, I get plenty. I get plenty of new customers all the time who have never been to a video store before. Yeah. Wow. Now, um, so Seattle, I've never been. Um, I've been to uh, San Francisco. I've been to L.A. Those are like the two places in the West Coast I've been so far. Um, you know, give me a, my, my brother's been to Seattle. He said it kind of reminded him of Boston. If they got a chance to lay themselves out better, which was <laughs> the way he described it. Cause, <laughs> Cause Boston is, um, carved by like cow roads. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't make any goddamn sense. Um, but no, give, so Seattle, what was the, um, at the height of the video store insanity, let's say within like, you know, 20, 30 miles of you um at scarecrow like what what was that like like how many big chains were there how many little mom and pops were there you know um, was, it, was it saturated as hell or was it you know no, kinda... you know there were there are plenty of independent video stores and also lots of blockbusters in hollywoods um of course of course you know but but uh, through attrition we're the only one who survived uh the the two the three, excuse me, Hollywood slash blockbusters that I can remember are now all different things. Those buildings still exist. One's a pet store. One's a liquor store. One's uh, I don't remember what the other one is. I think it got bulldozed and turned into a Whole Foods. <laughs> uh, yes. But all the all no the little mom and pop no space are gone. Huh? Yeah, no huh? banks. Uh, we had record stores turn into banks, but but no video stores. Um, yeah, you know, the 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 chain stores served their purpose. They did a great job of just being a convenience, but they could never really provide people with the breadth of a catalog that we could. Well, right, and that's that I think is it's a cool different story because the the blockbusters of the world, you know, did what they did, you know, Blockbuster was able to expand because it was owned by Viacom and right. Viacom owned Paramount and, you know, a bunch of other things. So do you remember the days when uh, the early days of Netflix before Netflix entered into a streaming situation yep. where Netflix would not promote Paramount titles? Yep. Because, because Blockbuster. Because of Blockbuster. <laughs> and, and so Blockbuster got the deals starting with Paramount and then everybody yeah. else that were friends with Paramount followed suit. So you'd have, you know, a tiny mom and pop store that would get 20 copies of, of the new Changing movie. Changing lanes. Yeah. And would... Blockbuster would get 300 because, yeah. and they got them. I mean, I'm sure you remember the days of VHS. The VHS uh-huh. rentals were sold to the video store at a premium. Yep. And then you paid back that sale by renting it, and then you kept the profit on top of it. I remember so, waiting months for my sell-through copy of Pulp Fiction Letterboxd. Yes, it took yes. me like a year and a half to get that thing, and it was right. $25 Right, it I, I remember waiting for those at like Suncoast and Sam Goody yep, and going, Suncoast, Jesus, yeah. I could rent this today. How come I can't buy it? Right, um, exactly. But 
but Blockbuster, you know, when we would, when someone would, when, when the end of late fees thing went down and it was, oh, you know, you don't get charged a late fee, but if you keep it too long, they're going to charge you the price of the whole movie to your credit mm-hmm. card. People weren't realizing that, you know, if you go and keep that copy of, you know, um, oh, the Wicker whatever. Man, the Wicker Man that you can't physically buy anymore, yeah. you know. On VHS, we're going to charge you 130 bucks for it, and there's nothing yeah. we can do about that. Um, but you know, that's how Blockbuster killed everybody off was that they had to deal with Paramount. So that video that cost 130 bucks and you could only buy 20, Blockbuster yeah. would buy 300 at two dollars a piece. Yeah, you know, and well, you know, it's, it's consumerism and capitalism at its best. But it's great to hear you guys were kind of went in the opposite direction. You you started off with a with a big variety when they kind of hit their height and you just kept expanding when they started going down. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Scarecrow started in my, in the founder's living room. I mean, he had, a, right. he had like 600 titles that he built up into a little collection that he rented to his friends. And then he, he put it in a record store, right? Yeah. He put it in the back of a record store and moved to a full location. Eventually blah, 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 blah. Now you find us where we are now, but I mean, look, it's easy for us to sit here and say, you know, corporate video stores like Blockbuster and Hollywood Video are an enemy. They were Agreed. they were a competitor and to one degree or another an enemy to a place like Scarecrow or to our mom and pop store like Rain City Video, which was one of our local competitors for a while. But look, Blockbuster and Hollywood had their place and they did a lot to expand the horizons of regular people who just wanted to go see a movie. Right. You know, their their foreign, their horror, their genre sections were not expansive compared to something like us. Nobody was expansive compared to something like us. They may not have been expansive compared to like the local mom and pop store or renting them at the gas station. But those things had their place and they did a lot to bring cinephilia into your living room. Of course. And, you know, we, you've, you've, if you've gone back and listened to any of the episodes of this, which we're all busy, but, you know, but the, the kind of throughput, the through line through all of it is that I've had people on from Hollywood. I've had people on from Movie Gallery. I've had the guys on that I worked with. And taking away that corporate entity looking over you, Everybody just wanted to show people movies. Yeah, and when you were in your individual store, you didn't get that job because you're like, oh, I'm going to work at Blockbuster for my career because I'm a a retail, you know, movie rental guy. It's like, no, dude, I want to get five free rentals and I want to show people movies. And I, you know, I want to write movie reviews and put them out on the table and give them to people. Or, you know, I want to meet friends that like this stuff, too, so we can all go out and watch the new Kevin Smith movie together when it comes out. And that was pretty much what, what the whole industry was all about. Like, yes... For a while, it was a boondoggle. It made money. Everybody got rich off of home video for a long time. But the people that were in the ground, the infantry, all we wanted to do was be around movies and show movies and share movies. And we're still doing that. And I, I'm just completely in awe and so happy about it um, that you guys are doing it, man. Uh, so, you know, speaking speaking of that point with, you know, how – the guys I work with, you know, we all had a camaraderie. What, what about you guys? Is it, is it a tight knit group or are you guys kind of all off doing your own thing? Like what's, um, what's the staff like at Scarecrow? Uh, 
there's there's shockingly low turnover at Scarecrow, uh, and uh, most of my best friends are my coworkers. See that uh, that, that I've worked with the smile. same five or ten people for almost sixteen, seventeen years now. Wow. Uh, I met my best friend there. I've <laughs> I've shamefully dated far too many women who I've met at Scarecrow Video. Uh, and uh as you do <laughs> as you do i mean it happens uh but uh yeah we're the, the 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 people that are still there the people that have been there we're all very tight we're all very good friends we all have a very shared experience that's never gonna go away that's awesome what um out of, out of your time there is there a is there a story or two of something fun that happened in the store or between you guys that you're comfortable uh, sharing? Nothing that I'm comfortable sharing. That's fine. Uh, hey, that makes it even funnier. <laughs> That's great. Um, so what? Uh, you talked about having a ton. I mean, I know that you have a ton of, you know, out of print and things that are hard to find. But if you had to make like a tiny list, like five title or ten title thing of like the obscure or things that you're really proud that you guys still have on hand. Um, oh, like as, as, as like an advertisement or just to make me geek out, you know, for, for a minute. That's, what? that's a really tough question. Um, or pick or, or you're just your favorites. You well, know what I mean? I like to answer that in a bit more of an existential way. Sure. I've, okay. I've, I've been asked this question a bunch. Uh, and I like to answer that like this. Yes, there are items in Scarecrow that you literally cannot get anywhere else. There are a couple of three titles that maybe are the only extant legal versions of that movie anywhere. Yes. But what's important about Scarecrow is the entirety of the collection. We don't have one crown jewel. We have thousands of crown jewels. I love that answer. And it's because so much stuff has never been promoted has never been put forward has never really been exposed and we have all of that little stuff you know we're one of the only places in the country where you can come and rent every frederick wiseman documentary we're one of the only Holy places in the country where you can rent almost every single warner archive disc we buy all those we don't get a Holy discount on them shit. we buy them because we want those in our collection so it's not about, to me, it's not about like, look, here's this thing that you can't get anywhere else. Here's the one movie we got that's worth a million dollars that you can't find. To me, it's about, we've got this collection. We've got so much stuff that's hard to find or even just a little bit not easy to find. And we've got a staff that's been here for 20 25 years that knows it and so the collection is the crown jewel it's not one title it's not 10 titles it's not 10 20 100 titles it's right wow it's scarecrow it's it's one thing it's the crown jewel is the collection no that that's a great answer and i uh that's electric like I, that actually gave me chills like hearing <laughs> that answer because it i just want to see it <laughs> I want to see it and I want to walk through it like right now. It's mind blowing. Like people walk in there, they think they got an idea of what it looks like. And then you walk into that place and it's, it's life changing. And it's weird because I have been in that building 
five to seven days a week for 16 years. So to me, there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a situation where I'm an, I'm I'm inured to it. Right, and, right. And, but then but then the cool part is I'm not a nerd to it enough that every couple of weeks I walk in there and I look around and I go, holy shit. I still, I still get that feeling. Well, you're, it, it, it's an absolute privilege, right? To just be oh, like, 100%. how, how is it that, you know, even, you know, at the opposite end of the spectrum, I talk to those folks, you know, especially like the younger kids that are working at the, the last blockbuster and even they get it. They're like, you know, this is this is something completely cool and strange that this human created thing that hasn't been around for a very long period of time. I'm like the last person getting to experience it. And, and with you guys, you know, you're experiencing the entirety of the history of film as a medium in physical format, just at your fingertips. Right. And you're getting to share that and you get to share that with people. And that that's the most important part is you get to remind people that it's not dead, that it's not gone, that it's all right here. Yeah. And Um, you can't even imagine what, uh, what just, just from the perspective of being someone who loves movies, you can't even imagine what having unfettered free access to the largest home video archive in the world does to your taste. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's insane. So do you, so do you guys, um, do you, you know, I'm, I'm imagining you, it has like a personalness to it because you, you've all worked there for a long period of time. You can kind of run the store the, the way that you want. It's a nonprofit, you know, and all that. Do you guys, you know, I'm assuming you make all the signage and, and advertisement things and everything yourselves, or at least someone does that for you? Yes, we do that. Most of it ourselves. Yeah. That's really cool. And do you, I mean, obviously your last answer probably already answered this, but do you do like employee pick sections or is it just uh-huh. impossible? You do. Okay. Oh yeah. What, we have a staff pick section. Do you change those out often yeah, or every one or two months? What's um, what are some of the jewels from your current um, selection? Uh, I, I, I can't remember what's in my staff pick section. Right I, now. I never, I never could either. <laughs> uh, let me see if I can figure that out. We might have to edit this a little bit while I it's- look. It's okay. I'll just I'll just keep blabbing. I, it's you know I'm I got some talking points here. Um, wh- while you're while you're thinking of that, I'll um I wrote down the two most important reasons to me, um why I feel Scarecrow Video is is better than Blockbuster, and you know the hundred and thirty thousand titles is definitely part of it. But these ones really struck me, and I read them on the website. One, the late fee policy. Oh, um, it's terrible. It, it well, it's it's not as terrible as Blockbuster. Um, but well, I feel like it's worse, but okay, well, no, go ahead. No, no. Oh, go here's, ahead. Here's, here's why yours is better. Someone can call and have the movie re-rented to them without True. having to come into the store. True, Do yes. you know how much people would have loved that at Blockbuster? And it was, they it was didn't a, do listen, that at Blockbuster? We were not allowed. Oh man. We were not allowed. They, in fact, if you, if you did it for an employee, they would, um, check the security cameras every once in a while to see if they were physically in the store and the transaction was done. That's not okay. Yeah. It was, I mean, our, our late fees are terrible at Scarecrow, but yeah, but I think they kind of have to be right. It's like an insurance policy. Yeah. But they, they always have been, (laughs) it's not like it's a new development. 
Well, I was just going to say that, that that fact of re-renting is is the best thing. And mm-hmm. two, you're you're closed on Christmas and Thanksgiving, which you still as, only be closed on Christmas. As as a young person working at a video store, Blockbuster's fun loophole was, hey, we're open twenty four hours a, a, a three hundred sixty five days a year, seven days a week. Yeah. So it's a privilege that now you have seven days that you could work. Yeah. So. You don't get time and a half on Sundays and you don't, you you were so lucky. And so you didn't, you know, get holidays off because we have to be there to check those damn movies in. And it's just like, oh God. (laughs) Anyway, so I I wrote those two things down because I thought. uh, Those were definitely, those are definitely big gets for us. Like it didn't always used to be that way. Uh, But the, the renewals thing, that's funny because our late fees are legendarily awful. And, oh yeah, uh, it's the full it's the full rental price a day. I saw that every single day. It's not great, uh, but we yeah we're we're also extremely forgiving about that stuff. Like we'd rather not make our money that way. No, it's more it's there to be like, hey, guess what? It's a deterrent. You you're holding on to a movie that we own, and it might be the only copy of it. Please bring it back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's more of a deterrent than anything else. But uh, most of the time, if somebody, even if somebody calls like you know two or three days late and wants to renew or says like I'm sorry, I fucked up, I'm late, we'll usually cut them a break. It's we're we're not in the business of ripping people off because they kept a movie a few days late, especially in this day and age. You know, when our mission is mostly to put movies in front of people, right, we're not, not trying to make our movies about late fees. But uh, but yeah, I mean, we you know we do need to we do need to keep an eye on that stuff. But but that's not our primary mission. Cool. So, uh, did you figure out your picks? Uh, let's see. I'm looking at a picture I took of the staff pick section. Oh, that's a couple so of days funny. Uh, it looks like I picked Dolores Claiborne. Oh yeah, you got the Stephen King thing going. That's a very good movie. But yes, there's a lot of other good stuff in here that was picked by people, not me. I'll read Look, it. Read them off. Um, go go these people. Ricochet was in there. Uh, Ricochet, the Denzel Washington, and um, uh, Third Rock from Jump. the Sun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great movie. Uh, nobody knows. Shirakaza Koreeda, a great film that won the Palm d'Or, I believe. Yep. Many years ago. Night Train to Munich by Carol Reed. Wow. Next, here's one I picked. Next of Kin with uh, Patrick Swayze. Yep. Uh, Bound, a masterpiece. Bound, the, the, the great Wachowski siblings. Crowning achievement of the Wachowski siblings, yes. I, I, I agree that is their best movie, but I love, oh, love, I love all of their films. Their films are fascinating. I, I was saying to someone the other day, I'll take 20 directors that tr- that take as many chances as they do. 100%. Over over anyone that just churns out safe movies all day yeah. long. I mean, nobody ever, nobody else is going to make Speed Racer, right? No, and nobody's going to go from Speed Racer to Cloud Atlas. Exactly. Like what the? F- <laughs> Those and, two and, movies don't even and, exist in the same wavelength. I personally am not a huge fan of Cloud Atlas, but no. I'm glad I live in a world that it exists. I'm, I'm I feel the exact same way. I respected it the whole time yeah. I was watching, and I'm just like, Great Jesus, movie. man, they what are you guys doing? <laughs> they're 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 born filmmakers, incredible formalists. They're great. Uh, and they, Days and of Heaven's in here. Oh, uh, yes. Dogtown and Z Boys is in oh, here. Oh, that's a great one. I remember Bones that. with Snoop Dogg. Hell yeah. Dark Star, a masterpiece. Wow. Uh, the Squid and the Whale. Solaris, the Tarkovsky, and the Soderbergh. 
Nice. There's all kinds of good stuff in our staff pick section right now, and it changes out every few weeks. Oh, and that's a hell of a staff pick section. That's awesome. Wow. Okay. Cool, man. So, uh, um, wow. Th- this is this has been a hell of a conversation. So, you, I, I want to try to to get us to a point of wrapping up, but I also want to say that if you would ever want to come on again, you have something you want to promote or something, I'd I'd love to talk to you sure, again sure. and stay in touch and extend that invite out to to anyone else in your your group over there, um, in the store. I would love to help promote you guys and um you know help help promote me because <laughs> yeah, because uh, because I, I i i'm trying to find you know more friends in our in our dying group <laughs> as it is <laughs> um but i don't i don't know if you've listened to the show before but i i do a cool I, thing H- have you listened to any of the episodes yet no i have not I've oh not cool time that's right then this will be a surprise to you so i do this cool thing and it, it started as an idea to get my friends um, and I that used to work at video stores, you know, juices flowing again of like, oh, OK, you're going to set up a, a simulation of working in a store and someone brings up a movie and you have to recommend a movie to rent with it. Oh, but my God. This actually, is like my job interview. Yeah. But you actually no, but it's going to be fun because I'm starting. So um, so so I'm, I'm coming up and you, because, uh, you know, most of the people I have on, I go back to things like we watch together. You know, I've never met you so i'm knowing that you guys have a a deeper archive i'm gonna go with one of my favorite movies that a lot of people don't know i'm gonna go with charles lawton's night of the hunter have you ever seen okay. this film yes i have man. okay this is a, a beloved movie it's like yes. almost oh, universally awesome. beloved awesome i love i so many people don't know it and it's so yeah. the, the thing that i love about it is this is robert meacham and shelly winters and it's it's about a um, priest or a religious fanatic pretending to be a priest that goes to a town and he's a you know crazy homicidal murderer but no one would ever believe it was him and he's ended up left with like this woman he's murdered kids and he's chasing them around and it it becomes I love how the imagery and it changes because every time he enters a room when he's like the monster in the second half like chasing yeah. him around they always bend the light to turn all the rooms into steeples and yeah it, it's such incredible expressionism and a beautifully filmed movie. And I love the um, hat tip to it in um, the Robert De Niro, Martin Scorsese redo of Cape Fear. Yeah. Because Robert Meacham was also in Cape Fear and the love-hate knuckle tattoos are from Night of the Hunter. Right. So I, I just always love that. So I'm coming up with Night of the Hunter because, you know... I'm in Scarecrow, and you guys actually still have a copy of it on VHS because, you know, I want that experience. What are you going to recommend I rent along with Night of the Hunter? Uh, well, there's there's the Robert Mitchell movie Thunder Road. Yes. Uh, which is which is not just a great car chase bootlegger movie, but, like, the closest thing from the time it was made to, like, late period Michael Mann. Absolutely. Which seems weird because a lot of people don't like late period Michael Mann, but I do. But it's very close to something like Public Enemies, where it's like, it's just ride or die. It's just like, this guy's whole life is, I'm going to run this booze, and I'm going to get killed or I'm not. Time is short, baby. Like, that's it. That's my whole, that's my whole existence. It's like the existential angst of being a criminal but it's a very early example of that kind of movie. And it's an interesting counterpoint to Night of the Hunter because Night of the Hunter is so gothic 
and so sort of ethereal and there's like this sort of very constructed fairy tale reality around it and thunder road is a bit more rambunctious it's like uh it's almost diametrically opposed it's like if night of the hunter is the north pole this is the south pole robert right. mitchum is the bad guy in both of them but in one he's evil he's pure evil straight from hell and the other one he's the coolest man you ever met and he could play both roles so he perfectly. can play both roles it's probably because he was stoned all the time yeah <laughs> yeah there is that uh all right so now your turn man what are you bringing up i'm gonna oh be behind God. the counter at scarecrow i don't even know this is a tough one this is a tough one uh, oh boy it's meant to catch you outside your comfort zone, man. I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to come up with a movie that I like, and you recommend me like a counterpoint to it. Yep, yep. And I bet you you're oh. gonna you're you're gonna screw with me bad. I can guarantee it. Because ah, oh, this is a tough. This is a tough assignment. Um, because I don't know if I like. I could recommend something crazy to you that you haven't seen. I'm just worried that I'm not gonna play the game right. Oh, that's okay. That's always part of it, right? Think about it. Standing behind a counter, especially where you work, right? Yeah. Guaranteed someone's going to come up with something you haven't seen, right? But you've probably heard of it. And so it's it's that fun part of going, oh, man, what can I tell this person? Okay, what so can- somebody somebody comes up to you and they've just seen for the first time uh, Takashi Miike's audition. <gasps> and they're like, that was so fucked up. I want something that's that fucked up. What do you give them? Oh my god! So I, one of my favorite films of that genre. Um, but you're making me go back through audition in my head right now, and I'm, I'm kind of rebooting. Whoo! All right, <laughs> now that we're back from that. Um, so you you like audition, huh? I am going to recommend you Martyrs. Ah, oh, which Martyrs? Oh uh, well, actually, I'm gonna. The I'm going to tell you to actually get both. Um, the and, remake is horrible. Exactly, and and the reason I'm going to tell you to get both is because I think it makes you appreciate the original Martyrs and that genre in general so perfectly. Because the remake obviously was made by a group of people that are talented filmmakers. The movie looks very good. Um, it copies a lot of the shots and things but it completely pulls all of his punches and misses the point if you're gonna make a shock treatment movie a movie that yeah and that goes so far that it takes you on the same journey as the character going through it in a visual and visceral standpoint you don't pull that out of the movie yeah yeah it, it there's no point to it at that point you're, you're just making torture porn at that point yeah yeah um it's so the humans don't work well, you're you're cut you're cutting out really bad. I can't hear you anymore. Uh, hello. Hi. Hey. Oh, I'm just hearing a static and then occasional bursts of your voice. Okay, one second. Let me fix it. How about now? There, that's better. Yeah. All right. Wh- where did you lose me? I don't. I don't remember. All right. You were. You started to talk about martyrs. And then you just, like, it was gone. And you said, was it the original or the remake? Uh, it, well, the, the original is no, you asked You asked me that. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I remember. And then, yeah. and, then I said, and then I said, I think you should get both. 
because yeah, yeah. The, you should get both. The remake is awful. So the remake will make you appreciate what works in the What's original so genre. Good. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. So you caught that part. And I was going to say, it's kind of in the same way that the Human Centipede sequels didn't work. Yeah. Because even though that first one isn't a great film, it works in kind of the same way because it's you have that curiosity of getting in there and then the movie just isn't, it, it just never lets up. It, yeah, it's yeah. just, and then they made the sequels and the sequels are like, well, we, we kind of want it to be like winky. Like, okay, what if society was affected by it and someone, but it's like, no, cause now, cause now you're just doing it for no reason. And, um, yeah, man. Wow. You pulled out audition. I, yeah. I feel like, I feel like we could have, some nice long conversations <laughs> you and I. I mean, audition uh, is, is is one of the most un- unpleasant movies ever. But I think like I feel like Martyrs. Yeah, you, you, you came back good. Martyrs is even more unpleasant. Oh yeah, and they're both they're both great movies. I don't think I'll ever be able to yeah. watch either of them again. But <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I haven't seen. Have you watched any of uh, Pascal Lallier's uh, subsequent movies? No. Uh, he made one after Martyrs called The Tall Man with Jessica Biel. Oh, no. Which is very, very good. Uh, I like it. It's, it's, un, it's unliked. Most people don't seem to be into it, but I thought it was excellent. Uh, his stuff since then I haven't been as enamored with. but So I got to check out The Tall Man. I would, I would check that out. It's very interesting. It, all, it has a very similar demeanor. It's not quite as uh, physically intense the 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 awfulness in it is not as as physical it's not about cutting up a body you know what i mean it's no but uh, the psych the psychological intensity is still there jessica biel is excellent in it uh, i i think she's underrated as a performer she's also very good in, in the first season of a show called the sinner which was very I, good a i couple have heard that's ago. fantastic that's a good show uh bill pullman and jessica biel are both very good in it um but uh, I would check that movie out. His stuff subsequently has not been uh, quite up to par, in my opinion. But but The Tall Man is very good. If you liked Martyrs, see The Tall Man. Awesome. Awesome. That's so cool. So, yeah, that, that's that's my fun little experiment I like to do at the end there. So, so now I, I open this up, Matt. Is there anything you want to tell the, you know... I think I'm up to like maybe between 500 and a thousand listeners that will hear this in its first few weeks. Um, anything you want to promote, anything you want to talk about? I just want to encourage people to, I want to encourage people to continue to stream all the movies they want, but I want them to step outside themselves. I want them to seek out other sources. I, I love Netflix. I love Amazon Prime. I love the Criterion Collection. I love Shudder. All of these things. But I want people to realize that if they rely on these, and look, I'm aware of the fact that some people can only rely on these systems, these services. And that's great. If that's what they have, continue to enjoy all the movies you want. But if you have other options, please exercise them. Uh, you're ceding the control over your movie diet to a bunch of corporations, to rights holders. Right. You're, you're letting, you know, you're letting these big companies dictate what's, what's accessible to you. And I don't think that's okay. I fundamentally don't think that's okay. 
And it's I, not it's not the consumer's fault. It's not the individual consumer's fault who may have a limited array of options. But if you have the option to visit a physical video store, do it. I completely agree. It's there's at least two people that you're listening to right now that um think of and um love physical media and video stores in general as if um you know as if it's the best thing in life and you know you uh you got to get back into it if you can if if you got a video store near you and you haven't been there in a few years go in there rent something um yeah. just go in there and talk to the people let them, let them know you're around let them know that you see them and that you yep. recognize them and tell your friends 100% so, uh, wow, this has been an absolute honor having you on, Matt. And um, it, it's great to hear that, you know, you guys are doing so great in what you're doing. It's a great story. Um, thank thank you again. Um, as always, everybody, I'm, you know, at The Chippa, Chris Chipman. Find me at patreon.com slash The Chippa. Um, drop me a little bit of money if you can. If not, just share this. Um, just like he said, it's more getting people out there and getting people to listen to what I have to say. I do this for fun. I have a day job. This is just my, my fun thing. Um, I do the Chipman brothers tangent with my brother, movie, Bob creating geeks and shooting the shit with Chippa. Um, and Matt can be found on Twitter at Colonel Mortimer. Um, I also want you guys to check out the big Brown chair, which is my buddy Peter's, um, movie review site. He's a librarian. Speaking of another industry that uh, doesn't get the foot traffic that it once did, um, who also uh, is a movie reviewer and his website is mostly contributed to by other librarians that review movies. Um, check out Geeks with Shields, uh, my my friends who I've become a frequent member uh, or guest on their show and they've been on mine. Um, Research and Destroy by uh, Philadelphia PA on Twitter. The Pumpkin Copter cast, which I've also been on, and my friends Tim and Corinne at Cinema Spection. Um, as always, this has been Chris, and my guest has been Matt Lynch. And thank you for making it a Talkbuster night or day or whenever you're listening to this. And please be kind, rewind. Have a great yes. Night.